The standard Australian government response to difficult relations between us and the People's Republic of China is to say, China's changed, not us. Now, whatever you think of that reply, the characteristic of change is well and truly on display via the country's contemporary artists and vividly charted via an exhibition of contemporary Chinese art which opened last night at the Bendigo Gallery. 80 works from the Jeff Raby collection, yes, the former ambassador and well-known commentator who developed a passion for the work of emerging artists during two separate stints in China, first in the 1980s and then as ambassador and private consultant in the early 2000s. Now he's hoping a new generation of Australians will come to appreciate the mixed emotions captured by a range of artists over the last tumultuous generation in China. Welcome back to Saturday Extra, Jeff. Good morning, Geraldine. What do you hope that Australian observers might glean from this passionate collecting of yours? Well, first of all, an appreciation of the extent to which uh, economic reform and uh, China's open-door policies have utterly transformed the cultural landscape in China. And from that, I think a better appreciation of contemporary China, what it's like today, and to do away with a lot of the really unfortunate stereotypes that we see uh, bandied around in the popular media and, and, and in the pubs and so on about China. Uh, it, it, the collection presents a much more complex reality, uh, but also there's a lot of fun and nuance in it as well. Yes, I'm going to come to that. Uh, generally, would you say that the art leads or follows the incredible twists and turns of Chinese, of Chinese culture? Uh, both. Uh, and and. That's just the nature of the interaction between art and society anywhere in the world. You know, when I first went to Beijing in the early 80s uh, and started to see the flickerings of the contemporary uh, Chinese contemporary art movement, I was reminded very much of the histories I'd read about the uh, Impressionists in the uh, late 19th century in France, not part of the academy, not part of the mainstream, on the fringes of society. Um, and, and having to really muscle their way in uh, to, to society and, and to the establishment. And you see this very much, I think, in China over the last 20 or 30 years. I mean, did, did they anticipate the crackdown, for instance, of 1989, which I know you say is a, is a pivotal year in a range of ways, but, I mean, did they see there was so much hope and so much excitement and et cetera, and possibly as naivety as you sort of allude to when you're writing about it, but did they see that coming or not? No, not at all. I mean, it, it, it was a naive, it was a wonderful period because of the, the innocence and um, 89, June 4th, 89, was um, the end of innocence. Uh, and the art movement changed fundamentally after that um, and in many ways became a much uh, clearer uh, and more pointed uh, uh, mirror on society with um, the cynical realism movement highlighting the contradictions in China between uh, the one-party uh, state and its propaganda and the reality of mass consumerism uh, and a society in which, as um, Deng Xiaoping said, to get rich is glorious. Mm. And uh, the artist moved into this very unique Chinese um, uh, style of art called cynical realism from the uh, mid-1990s. It's not exactly easy art, uh, therefore, to look at. I mean, it's dark and it certainly can be affecting, but it's... Uh, it's uh, it, it can leave you feeling a bit bleak, I think. 
well, it can, but there's 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 great humour in it. I mean, look, there's there's uh, 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 Lita Pung's uh, painting I've got in the collection of a pink pig smiling out at the viewer with a bright yellow background in a spacesuit, and this is just classic um, irony uh, that's used through art to 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 criticise uh, an authoritarian uh, system, and so. With uh, this painting, uh, what's going on is that uh, the artist is making fun of China's Communist Party's uh, prestige projects. And when I first saw that in a restaurant in Artist Village back in 2007, I said, I've got to go to this guy's studio because I know what I'm going to find. And I found what I expected. Little happy pigs building the uh, railway to Lhasa, building the Three Gorges Down, <laughs> shopping malls. Uh, yeah. And, and there's a lot of that. And it's so... Uh, reminiscent of what happened in the old Soviet Union as well, where through irony, art can challenge and criticise the system. Actually, so what, there's a lot of that. Yeah, what have been some of the key influences then, would you say, on these younger Chinese artists? Well, first up, I, what I would say, and what makes the Chinese contemporary art scene so special, is that most of these artists are incredibly well trained. You know, they've gone through the, the most of them have gone through the art academies and uh, technically are at extremely high level, more than you'd find elsewhere, uh, and that's just the nature of the pedagogical system in China. Um, and then there are two powerful influences. One, I think, is uh, uh, Soviet propaganda art, uh, and particularly all these artists were fed a huge dose of that during the Cultural Revolution, of course. Um, but then classical, uh, traditional Chinese techniques, motives, themes, and so on. Uh, and, and then thirdly, I guess, the exposure to Western uh, and particularly the use of uh, oil, um, acrylics, canvas, uh, those sorts of materials. What, what did they use before? Well, it was uh, it, it's classical Chinese painting, pen and ink, uh, brush, oh. uh, uh, rice paper scrolls. So are they accused, if they do notably draw on the West, say, are they accused of being bourgeois? In other words, I'm really keen to know how does the establishment, the um, um, political establishment, regard all this? Yeah, for a long time, uh, for a long time it was ignored until it couldn't be. And the first uh, ever official exhibition of Chinese avant-garde art took place in February 1989 at the uh, National Art Gallery in Beijing. And that will be remembered forever by the artist Xiao Lu, who brought a gun with live ammunition into the exhibition and shot her own installations, which were made of cardboard. And the whole thing was closed down under massive controversy. Uh, but for decades, uh, this has been seen to be fringe. But I recall having a lunch with the Minister for Culture at the uh, residence of the embassy back in um, would have been about 2009, and he was intrigued by the art that I had on the walls, and we talked about it. And I said, look, I'll take you to an artist village, 798. It's very famous. Many of your listeners would have been there. And said to him, look, I'll show you around and, and introduce you to some of these artists. And he said to me, ah, we still haven't made up our mind on this. It's political pop art. <laughs> So, but look, after that, the next period after that is, is the mass commercialisation of it. When it and, became terribly uh, expensive. Exactly. And, 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 and an industry and, and of global standing. And uh, uh, I think the authorities made up their mind and they saw it as a, uh, a good money spinner. Okay. Look, um, before I let you go, uh, the 
general emotions surrounding the relationship between China and the rest of the world at the moment obviously absolutely came to a head with the Taiwan Straits. Can you see a way for more even-handed or, shall we say, cooling the temperature of these discussions? How do you see that happening if, if it can be done? Well, I think it's very difficult for, for the moment. Uh, it's particularly fraught because of the domestic politics uh, in the US that are driving a lot of this. Uh, also, China is in a very you know, rigid authoritarian period. Uh, it waxes and wanes, but we're running up to the 20th Party Congress. Yes, I'm talking uh, about everybody cooling their heads, not just... In October, November. Yeah, and, 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 and so there's little room, I think, for flexibility or compromise anywhere, and it's really an issue for the great powers. But having said that, Geraldine, I think that the way the Australian government uh, has responded to the uh, most recent crisis in Taiwan Straits, and remember, this is not the first. We've had it in '96. We had, when I first went to Beijing as ambassador in 2007, everyone expected conflict uh, between China and uh, the United States over Taiwan. Uh, this is a very difficult period, but I think the Australian government, with its uh, calls for restraint, uh, to uh, lower tensions uh, is, is, is basically got the message right as far as a small country like Australia can contribute to this issue. Mm. All right, Jeff Raby. Well, look, thank you very much indeed for joining us. My pleasure, Geraldine. Thanks for having me on. Jeff Raby, the uh, former ambassador to China, and you can see the art collection, the Jeff Raby collection, at the Bendigo Art Gallery in Victoria, and it's on 80 works. It's on until February.